I am going to add another presupposition beyond the one that each person is operating one unit themselves. And that is, everybody is doing themselves the best that they know how. They may not be doing themselves delightfully, but that is only because they are unaware of better ways of conducting themselves. Everybody has the potential, however. They may be operating as if the Puritans had the template for how to live life, and they are living in that illusion. It is a two-way street. You cannot change them, and they cannot teach, convince, motivate, or influence you. Living in this alternative illusion naturally results in respecting others as well as respecting self. I will also add that if this silly BS is too far out for you, you are free to stop hearing it and put the watch back on the familiar wrist and go about your life thinking that you are at the effect of others and conditions of the E. I have written all this in an invitational mood and you get to make up whether you want to use it or not. When you get an invitation to function, it does not cause you to attend or even respond. You will choose your response as well as deciding if you will RSVP or not. Plenty of people do not respond to a court summons invitation for a traffic violation. The buzzing, blooming world outside our skin is a series of invitations that invites us to choose our reactions, a stark contrast to our newly born status when the E has no meaning to us, yet vital to our survival. Earlier, I underlined imply and infer, suggesting that they can be quite different. When I hear somebody say, I know what you are implying, I suggest that is inaccurate because that person can only know what they are inferring that is making up. Imply and infer can be very similar, although unlikely to be mirror image. They can be miles apart. In the political world, the focus is on the spin put on somebody's comments, seemingly with no awareness that the spin the listener or the reader brings to bear is acknowledged or is even more important. This is a little like accent is usually attributed to the speaker with little awareness that the listener has an accent in their listening. Another aspect of this common illusion is our impotence with regard to our children. We are very potent physically when it comes to providing food, shelter, and clothing for our children. However, we cannot get in their mind. That is private space. They will select, infer, or make up what they choose. I mention this because a lot of parents are turning themselves into pretzels trying to do something impossible. Helicopter parents are not preparing their children for adult life. I read about books and pundits who tout methods to build self-esteem in children. One can be a role model and one can treat their children with respect, but they cannot teach, convince, or influence their child's self-esteem much to the chagrin of Freud and his followers, who have spent hours listening to their patients, blaming their parents for all their current troubles. Self-esteem is my story about me and your story about you. The esteem you may hold in your view of me is other esteem, and it does not transfer to my self-esteem. If you have ever tried to convince somebody who is doing low self-esteem that they are worthy, 
you have had a chance to recognize your impotence. What you may find out is that that person you are trying to convince may attempt to convince you that you are wrong in your evaluation or that you don't understand. Very interesting. Pickles by Brian Crane, used with his permission. Grandfather Earl Pickles is giving advice to his grandson, Nelson. As you go through life, it's a good idea to ask yourself from time to time if you're being the best you that you can be. How do I know I'm being the best me I can be? Grandma appears with a demand. Nelson, get in here and clean up the mess you made in the kitchen. Looking at his grandson, Grandfather says to Nelson, The women in your life will let you know. If you have read thus far, you may have developed some issues with the way I write. My style is similar to what is known as narrative or stream of consciousness, or worse yet, poorly organized, not to mention redundant and repetitive. Of course, if I were you, I would have those same thoughts. However, if you were me, you would write this same style. By the way, I did not cause your judgment. You chose it. However, I would not argue with that perception. What I have attempted is similar to a spider web. All the various comments and stories and comics may seem like tangents. However, they are all connected with the central thesis. Due to circumstances beyond my control, I have been left in charge of me. One unit or vehicle with me at the wheel. I am suggesting that this is the case for everybody who is reading this. It is not the case for infants, toddlers, and young children or people with severe mental problems, who, by the way, are not reading this. This BS is also not relevant to people starving in the third world. It is relevant to somebody like Stephen Hawking, the paraplegic who cannot speak except through a computer assist. He has gained renown for his writing in theoretical physics, and he would probably agree that he is making up all his speculations. From my perspective, all the threads of the web are joined together. I have already confessed that I am making up what I have written and what I am implying. I invite you to join me in your inference. I also know that it, it is unlikely that I will ever know what you are making up about this BS. Further, you will never know everything I am implying. This communication business is very sloppy. Various words and statements can have different meanings. Tiger by Bud Blake. A child has dropped a glass of milk on the floor. Don't Wah. cry over spilled milk. Can I cry if I stand over here? I remember a statement that goes something like this. All I want is a kind word and, and of course, unlimited power. Sometimes you may have to supply the kind words to yourself. As to unlimited power or choice to operate yourself, you are stuck with that already. You have no choice about that. And the people that you are interacting with are in the same condition yet live in a world where many people are wasting their time and energy trying to teach, convince, or influence another so they, the person who is trying to do the convincing, can feel good, vindicated. In other words, their happiness seems to be contingent on others, 
even though these others have no leverage for making that person happy or unhappy. The best you can do is invite, and this web is my invitation to you to use your internal sovereignty in a constructive way for you. Bizarro by Dan Peraro. A gentleman is at the receptionist counter. Will you validate my parking? You did a great job, evenly spaced at nearly a perfect right angle. I ran across a comment that I would like to share. If you think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, maybe it would be a good time to fertilize and water your own plot. If you have used your self-mastery to create an issue with alcohol and other drugs, only you can cease and desist. There is no help that can do it for you. If you have put in too much or too little food and drink, obese or anorexic, it is up to you to remedy the situation by eating less or more. I have been there. I have gained and lost 30 to 40 pounds several times and also imbibed enough that I could pass for an alcoholic. Fortunately, I awoke to my ownership many years ago and simply made those issues disappear by eating and drinking less. There is nobody that can do that for you. You cannot outsource your behavior. If you are spending a lot of time on the burners, doing worry, guilt, anger, hurt, depression, and so on, it is up to you to remove your hand. Nobody can do that for you or even help you. I know this is not typical thinking, however, it is based on the notion that you are running your life. That is the center of the web, and there are bumps in the road, but no place for alibis. I mentioned the dis-ease anorexia, and I have had relatively little experience dealing with somebody who is doing that. However, I think there are many, mostly women, that are involved, although the percentage in the population is relatively small. What is striking is the dedication to being thin, in spite of the visual information reflected in the mirror, almost like a form of blindness. They look in the mirror and see fat instead of skin and bones, some all the way to their death. In my interaction with two women who were my clients, I was sure that they totally believed that they were fat and that eating a few greens was the way to reduce and both did not create any value from our few meetings. They were immune to any input from me, partly because I was a male and did not know what I was talking about when I talked about being in control. They were single-minded, in control, eat less, get rid of fat. The reason I mention this topic is to point out that the mind trumps all else, and I want to say something about a much larger segment of the population. The majority are obese. What I am referring to is the norm in this culture, a sort of blindness in regard to our ownership regarding weight. The individual knows that they are overweight and clearly experiences the difficulties that result. Hard to find clothes, tie shoelaces, fit in an airplane seat, etc. Typically, there are considerable lamentations about their situations short runs on a variety of short-lived diets which never work, followed by resignation and often more eating. 
This describes my approach for years after I left the military after the Korean War. My mother was obese during most of her life, and my only sister was morbidly obese, which led to a relatively early demise. So I had exposure to overeating and struggled with weight. I have convinced myself that this is not a matter of stupidity or lack of intelligence, rather an unawareness of our ownership, plus the puritanical culture which we have absorbed. My mother was operating from the model that can be summarized as, we are put on this earth to suffer, to get ready for paradise in heaven. People know how to gain weight by eating more. Thus, they know that to lose weight, they have to eat less. A case of doing nothing or no thing about a portion of the food they usually eat. I am not talking about fasting, just eating half or two-thirds of what they usually eat and doing nothing about the other half or third. Over a period of time, it will result in weighing less. Somehow, most will make that difficult. Suffering builds character, nothing worth having comes easily, rather than labeling the change as awkward or moving toward a gift to themselves. I might add, there are many who would say that they like being fat, sometimes almost militant in their defense of their position. Never mind the health statistics. I have a drawing of the self-help marketplace. There are two doors. One is accepting personal responsibility workshop, and it's free. The other door is how to blame everyone else seminar, and its admission is $100. I would add how to blame everybody else and everything else, like my upbringing, my lack of willpower, my big appetite, and other alibis. It, of course, has a large crowd lined up. There is no line at the other entrance where the title is accepting personal responsibility, and it is free with the presenter standing at the door waiting for anybody to come in. I would change that sign a little by erasing accepting and replace it with understanding you are stuck with personal responsibility. You cannot accept what you already have. I would also split the word responsibility to personal response ability. The majority do frustration about their inability to change others while thinking that other people are pushing their buttons. When I hear clients using that phrase, I ask them to show me the buttons. Their response is that they are not real buttons, so I guess it is all in their imagination. Where else? In my view, the only person that can touch those buttons is the self. I once heard the following statement, constructive criticism is not very appreciated from family, neighbors, acquaintances, friends, co-workers, and complete strangers. Much of the time it is resented, and even a preamble to an argument. In spite of that result, many people persist in their attempt to correct others. My suggestion is take a break or a vacation and save your breath to cool your soup especially when you review the great benefits of previous dust-ups. One more area to cover before I stop making up this BS, at least writing about it. It is something I read from a book by William Glasser. It is important to find the best partner 
that you can find for marriage. However, it is even more important to be the best partner that you can be. Sounds a lot like taking care of your own plot, and other people cannot stop you from making it green. I would like to add that if doing worry, upset, and angst paid off, I would be inviting people to do more suffering. As Calvin's father said when he was telling Calvin about life, Yes, life is tough, suffering builds character, nothing worth having comes easy. Calvin's response was, You can see how this puritanical thinking frowns on ease of change and results in many of my clients and students saying, You make it too simple or you make it sound so easy and life is not easy so I can't use what you are advocating. This reminds me of a quote I would like to share. One of the paradoxes of life is that the more one is anxious to survive, the less survival is worth the trouble. On the other hand, there is considerable and normally unexpected survival value in the very absence of the anxiety to survive. A close runner-up to that is... Facts, however, do not speak for themselves. They depend on the voice of the ventriloquist that holds them. Some affirmations you might find useful are, I feel warm and loving toward myself. I am a unique and precious being, ever doing the best that my current awareness permits. I see myself bathed in the white light of energy, with love in my heart, health in my body, wisdom in my mind, laughter in my attitude, and serenity in my spirit. If you have been ineffectively selfish, these comments may sound pretty frou-frou and inapplicable to you. I suggest that you test drive them for a little while, and you may dissolve the awkwardness that you feel and be more friendly to yourself. If you have listened thus far, you have created many reactions, interpretations, thoughts, and judgments about my words. I would guess that you have presets that may have resulted in the following, redundant, poorly organized, wandering, overly simplified, too cutesy, repetitious, unrealistic, to name a few. You can add others. I agree this epistle is not incisive. It approaches storytelling, and what I have been sharing is my opinion, and I think you may benefit from reiteration. I want to remind you that if you were me, you would have written it exactly the way I have done. And if I were you, I have written it exactly as you would have. I can present a bare-bones version. 1. You have been left in charge of you. Therefore, you make all the decisions involved in operating you, including what emotions you choose to experience. 2. You make most of these decisions outside of awareness, on autopilot, based on patterns from your early development. Three, you can change your thoughts and feelings quickly and easily. Four, it's your choice. How's that for brevity? I think that a poetic approach that is also brief may be an excellent invitation as well as a summary of what I've been writing about. It was written 150 years ago, and I see it as relevant today as when the focus is thinking about thought. 
As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and man is mind, and evermore he takes the tool of thought, and shaping what he wills, brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. He thinks in secret, and it comes to pass. Environment is but his looking glass. I'll follow this up with a poem of unknown origin. Thoughts about thinking. If you always think what you've always thought, then you'll always feel what you've always felt. And if you always feel what you've always felt, then you'll always deal what you've always dealt. And if you always do what you've always done, then you'll always get what you've always got. If you don't like what you've always gotten, go back to the beginning and use your mind for a change in your thinking. If you create something of value, keep the change. Sally Forth, distributed by King Features Syndicate. An office colleague is talking to Ted Forth. Whether or not you and Arya are really an item, Ted, doesn't matter. It's all about perception. After all, reality is but a shared illusion. Wow, that's deep and demoralizing. I got it from a book of a hundred office-appropriate koans. There are many more stories and implementations. However, I think the web has been adequately outlined and described. Please don't take me seriously. I would recommend lightly instead. So, like Donald Shimoda said in Illusions, I choose to leave you now to go your own way. And I would add from Calvin and Hobbes using your freedom to include more special effects and dance numbers. If you have read all of this BS, I would welcome feedback from you, both positive and negative. You can respond to my Facebook page, https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash m-a-r-l-o-w-e-s capital t-h-o-u-g-h-t-s.